Well, could you turn with me now to the chapter we read in the prophecy of Isaiah? I would like tonight to center our thoughts around the words you will find in, in verse 6. Shall read verse 5. The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my back to the smiters, my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I did not, I hid not my face from shame and spitting. I would like to consider these words. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. Now this morning we were considering the two, uh, the two uh, great uh, combatants that Ali, the people of this earth. On one hand you have Satan, on the other hand you have Christ, the Son of God. And we went to a length to explain how the devil deceives and the devil is a liar from the very beginning. He continued on to, to look for a short time at the great redeemer of mankind. He's going to look at Christ. And I would further like to take you tonight and look at Christ Jesus further and more deeply. See, the prophet is here speaking of no other than the suffering servant of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And this prophecy is referred to by Christ as we read in the Gospel of Luke and in chapter 18, verse 31 following. And it was brought to fruition when Christ was taken before Pilate and Pilate had questioned him and then led him out to the soldiers and the soldiers had taken Jesus and they maltreated him and it can only be Jesus that Isaiah is speaking of many people argue the case and say this is in the Christ how could I say I see this far ahead? But the Spirit of the living God worked in the hearts of the prophets and he showed them great things that they themselves did not understand at the time that they prophesied. But who else could say, I clothe the heavens with blackness and I make sackcloth the covering, save the Creator God, save him who created all things out of nothing. 
I gave my back to the smiters, Christ said, and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. What a descent this is from the almighty omnipotent position that Christ held as the creator God. Him that veiled the heavens, him that placed all the stars in his cosmos. There he is, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he came with gracious con content consention, which does not veil, and he did not veil his own face from the spitting of men, but he allowed men to spit upon him. He allowed men to deride him. It is none other than God, the God-man, Christ Jesus, that is spoken of here. He who says, Behold at my rebuke, I die up the sea. He who can make the rivers a wilderness, and yet he is at the same time a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. There is a strange depth of sadness when we read these words. When we read the words that I gave my back to the smiters, this is God coming into the scene of man's time. This is the treatment that man gave to the Holy God. God manifest in flesh. This is the judge of Israel whom they have smitten. This is the judge of all the earth whom they have smitten. And it was at Christ's third trial when he was delivered to the Gentiles. Pilate gave him up to cruel scourging. Now scourging was whipping. It was the use of a lash. And this lash was made of sinews of ox and intertwined and twisted into the sinews of the ox were the huckle bones of sheep and fine slivers of bone in order that every strike or every stroke of that lash would tear the skin and scourging was so great a, was so great a punishment that it was said to be worse even than death itself. And sometimes people died under the lashing and the under 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 the strokes of the lash. Yet Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, voluntarily gave his back to the smiters. And they ploughed deep furrows with that lash into his back. He took it upon himself. And the soldiers then, after they had done that, mocked him, 
even more. And they mocked him by giving him a mimic coronation. They put a robe upon him and they sat him on an imitation throne and they put a they put a crown of thorns upon his head. How far would men steep to, to bring about this thing to the Creator God? Not only that, they touched and they pulled the hairs out of his beard. Well, to the Jew, the beard was a very, very special thing. If you touched a, a, a Jew's beard, you caused him great offense, just to even pat it. But even worse than that, if you took his beard and you plucked the hair out of it, it was a great offense to him. It degraded him. Yet here, the Lord never turned his face away. Never turned his face away from those who would pluck the hair one by one out of his cheek. Even more than that, they smote him and they spat in his face. He stood there and they stooped to the lowest tank of cruelty in order to mock the Lord Jesus Christ. And what happened on his part? Simply this, he offered no resistance whatsoever. And Pilate took the Lord Jesus Christ out in front of the crowd and he said to them, Behold the man, behold the man. Today the scripture takes Christ to you, says to you today, Behold the man Christ Jesus, the Lord of lords and King of kings, despised, rejected of men. Look with awe, look with amazement, the suffering servant of God, suffering, humiliated, being prepared for the ultimate humiliation, that of the cursed death on the cross. Scripture teaches that cursed is everyone that hangs upon a tree. But on that tree, and round about that tree, and about that cross, the blood of Christ was spilled for sinners and in a way the soil that's round about the cross is sacred there the blood of Christ was spilled for sin my friends you and I have to come to the foot of the cross if we come anywhere we have to come there 
Near Calvary's stream still flows. There is a way prepared through the blood of the Lamb of God. Now, I would like to look at Christ Jesus tonight in four different ways. Firstly, I would like to look at him as the representative of God. Secondly, I would like to look at him as a substitute for his own people. Thirdly, look at him as the servant of God. Lastly, as the comforter of those that he redeemed. Four pictures of the suffering servant. First we see the despised and rejected Lord as the representative of God. God himself came into the world in the passion of Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus was God manifest in flesh. He entered, he entered into this point of the Jewish history into the earthly Jerusalem when the fullness of God's time had come and at the same time God came near to mankind God came right in amongst us he came and he called and he is still calling he called at that point in time Men followed. He is calling today, and men will follow. And generations yet unknown shall yet praise and glorify the Lord. He came with all his divine power about him. He came in power. And as he came, he didn't repeat, repeat all the plagues of Egypt. For he didn't come to smite men. He came to seek. And he came to save those that are lost. He came for those whom the Lord had given before time began. And the wonders and miracles done by our Lord Jesus Christ showed the loving kindness and mercy of God he healed the sick he helped the hungry he fed the hungry he raised the dead out of the grave he cast out the devil out of the unclean man he gave sight to the blind this Christ did as he walked among men and today as the spirit of the, of the living God works in this earth and among men today yes those who are spiritually blind their eyes are open those who are sick inside and bound by the devil the Lord sets free and they are free indeed those who are hungry 
and are seeking for something to fill the empty vacuum of their souls. The bread of heaven has come. The Lord Jesus Christ has come. And that the desire of your heart would be to this. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. The glory of the Godhead was, though in a way it was veiled, was in the passion of Jesus Christ. And there was no essential attribute of God absent from Jesus Christ. He did the works of his Father, and those works bore witness of him that had sent him. He had come in the Father's name, and God was passionately in the world when Jesus Christ walked among men. But when he came among men, he was unacknowledged. People didn't acknowledge him as to who he really was. It says here, when I called, there was none to answer. When Christ calls in your heart today, when he has been calling in your heart, maybe over the past months, maybe the past years, you've heard the gospel. Have you answered? Have you heard the voice of God calling? Have you answered? For in Jerusalem and in Israel at that time, a few, the remnant, taught by the Spirit of God, recognized him and rejoiced. Remember the old man, Simeon, as he took the Lord in his arms. And he said, Behold, mine eyes have seen the salvation of God. And every time you hear the gospel, no matter who you are, you hear the word of God. And pray that your eyes may be opened, that you may see the salvation of the living God. That few remnant rejoiced. But yet as he walked and as he spoke, and he healed among the people, the Jews saw signs of who he was. Signs of who he was burst through periodically in these miracles. What man could raise another from the dead? And still the people would have nothing to do with him. And their cry was when it came, when, when Pilate took him in front of the people, their cry was away with him. Away with him. Crucify him. Crucify him. Is that you tonight? Is that in your heart tonight? Is that your cry? Are you saying tonight? Stop it. Away with him. Away with him. I want nothing at all to do with him. Crucify him. Jesus was God's representative 
And in his human nature, he was sinless, he was flawless, and he was faultless. Christ Jesus was perfect. And he had only one motive as God's representative. And that motive was to do the will of his father. He did not, God didn't need to speak to him in visions or in dreams as he spoke to the prophets of old. Christ Jesus understood the mind of God. And the things he heard of the father, the things he heard personally from God, he made known to men. In this revelation we have here before us, the things made known by God are made known unto men. And he says of himself that he spoke not his own words, but the words of him that sent him. He didn't do his own works or his own deeds, but my Father that dwelleth in me, he said, doeth the work. He came to the weary. He came to the cast down. Jesus Christ went in among the people. He mixed and he mingled. And as doing so, he knew them. And he knew the way the people thought. He knew the way the people behaved. He ate with the publicans. He ate with the sinners. He took the children and he blessed them. My friends, the uh, Christians among us, all too often when we come to a saving knowledge of Christ, we tend to withdraw from the world. We tend to keep away from those who are outside of Christ. But our Lord and Master never did that. He went in and he mixed and he mingled and he sought out those who needed him. He knew their weaknesses. Yes, I'm sure oaths and cursings were heard by our Lord and Saviour. I'm sure he knew the drunkard and he knew how much she sat and drank. And he knew all the bad habits of the people. Why? Because he never stood aloof from them. He never stood back from them at all. He went right into them and met them at the point of their need. And Christ says to us all, Follow thou me. Follow me. Take me as an example. Go meet those outside of Christ at the point of their need. Yes, he came to the weary. Yes, he did all these things. Yet he was scorned. Cruelty smote his back. Cruelty plucked out the hair from off his face. Derision cheered at him and mocked him and spat in his face. 
This is the Savior of men walking among men. Oh, can you not see what the devil does to man? That when he came in and tempted the, the woman in the, in, the, in the garden and Adam fell from his first estate, sin entered into each and every one of us. Yes, we would all in a way spit in his face. How do you answer to the call of Christ tonight? He says in the scripture, Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as crimson, they shall be white as wool. What is your answer to that tonight? Come, let us reason together. Or he says in another bit, part of the scripture, Look unto me, and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. Look unto me, unto whom? Unto this one who was scourged, unto this one who was lashed in the back, to this one whose hair was plucked out of his face, to this one who was spat upon. Look unto him and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth. What is your answer tonight? Though that are outside the pale of the gospel. He was secondly a substitute for his own people. When Christ suffered like this was not on his own account that he suffered or indeed was it purely for the father's sake but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquity and the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his strength are we healed this is the way that Christ Jesus was the substitute. Never, ever, ever divide between the life and the death of Christ. Both are essential to the gospel. How could Christ Jesus have died if he hadn't lived? Or how could he have suffered unless he did so while he lived and death is not suffering death is the end of the suffering in this life Christ Jesus could never have made atonement for sin by his own blood if he had not been perfect in his life he was a lamb without spot and blemish there was no defilement whatsoever in Christ Jesus. He was a perfect man. Jesus took upon himself our sin. And being found bearing our sin upon himself, he had to be treated as sin should be treated. Adam had fallen. 
Adam had sinned against God and therefore as Adam sinned all we through generation after generation sin passed upon every family in the world sin deserves to be scourged sin deserves to be spat upon sin deserves to be crucified and because Jesus Christ took upon himself our sin our sin he must need suffer he must need suffer the shame if you want to see what God thinks of sin if you want to understand what God thinks of sin see this the son of God's love see his only begotten son spat upon by soldiers and when he was made sin for us he who took our sins was God God manifest in flesh he was made sin for us. He willingly took took the burden of our sin. And then he turned his back to the smiters. They didn't compel him to turn his back. He didn't even seek a way of escape. He could have called 10,000 angels. He could have called on the host of heaven to come and set him free. But what did he do? He stood there and he took it in his own body, the penalty for our sin. Thirdly, Christ, as a servant of God, Christ took upon himself the form of a servant when he was made in the likeness of man and look how he performed his duty look about how he went about the duty of a servant he was first personally prepared for service he was born into this world in the same way as any child is born he grew up in this world the same as any child would grow up. He came into his teenage years the same as any teenager. And he went on into his twenties. And at the time that he was thirty or thereabouts, all during that period of time he was learning obedience. And the beautiful thing is said about Mary, that when he spoke, she cherished these things that he said in her heart. Yes, he grew up in obedience to the Father. And after the years that he grew up, and then as he prepared to go out on his ministry, he learned, he learned and he spent years in obedience by the things 
which he suffered. He suffered shame, he suffered derision, he suffered being kept out of the synagogue. What a servant he was. He never went his own errands, he didn't go his own messages. Nor did he go by his own will. He always waited upon his father. He always waited on the voice of God telling him what to do. He was in constant communication with God the Father. He was found on the mountain sign. Found on the mountain sign, waiting on God. And he knew his father always heard him. What a tremendous promise and what a tremendous uh, hope that is for the Christian. We are heirs, the same as Christ, and the Father listens and is always attentive unto our cry. He was always conscious of acceptance before God. And Christian friend tonight, you should be conscious of acceptance before God. If you are part of the Bride of Christ, you are part of Him and His Church. And you have acceptance before God. And how are you today, Christian friend? I'll talk to you now as a servant, a servant of the living God. Or even how are you one who is maybe tottering on the brink and scared to make your stand for God? Don't know if you've got that assurance. How do you stand today before God as a servant? Do you draw back? from what God requires of you to do. Jesus gave all even to the scourging and the spitting and the death on the cross. But we very often when we are offended or when somebody rubs us up the wrong way we always demand our rights. This is the era today of civil rights. We have a right to this, and we have a right to that. We have a right to the next thing. Very often we cry out like that. We demand our rights. But when did Christ ever cry this cry? Did you hear that cry as it reported here as he scourged his back? That they had no right at all to scourge him? very often very very often when people rub us up the wrong way we often say to ourselves well I have to get it out and get it right with this so and so I'll have to sort things out I must have it out with this person or have it out with that person there because I'm not being treated properly often and often and often this is our cry. But look at Christ. Oh, Christian friend, look at Jesus. 
He made himself of no reputation. And so must we. His patient love made him stand before those who scourged him and those who spat in him without a flinch and without backing out of it or backing away. And all too often as Christians we tend to back away. Christ never. Christ went forward and he stood his ground. His patient love never uttered a word like the lamb at the slaughter. He opened not his mouth. He witnessed a good confession by his silence. Fourthly, lastly, is set before us tonight as the comforter of his people. Christ is able to speak a word in season to the weary. Why? Because he himself is lowly and meek. And he is accessible to us tonight. Christ Jesus is accessible to you tonight. When one is low spiritually, or even in a depressed state, one can't take advice from a proud or an arrogant person. Have you ever tried to get advice from an arrogant man? All you get is a load of cheek. Christ wasn't like that. Christ was meek and he was lowly. And the comforter that he was, the first paraclete, he must come as a sufferer. And he must come in a lowly and a broken spirit. If he is to comfort the afflicted, if he is to know the troubles and the trials that man has to go through. And you know when you look at yourself and you think of going to visit somebody that's poor, somebody that's really down and out, you don't go dressed up with all your finery on. You don't go in your best suit with your collar and your tie on and looking like a new pin. If you're going on driven, dripping with jewellery, if you're going into the house of somebody that is poor, you ask why? Well, you don't want to show off your wealth because then you can't relate to the person that you're trying to talk to. So the same is with the master. You have to sit down at the side of the downcast man and show him that you are meek and lowly at heart. If you want to relate to him, you've got to sit down beside him and get acquainted with his condition. Christ Jesus came from heaven on high, came into the midst of mankind, not in the, in the courts of kings or of princes or of dukes or of earls. Christ Jesus came into the, the, the human race at its lowest level, 
they wouldn't even give him a place to be born in. Today we've got all the amenities. A pregnant woman today can go into a hospital and there's people running about after her, taking her blood pressure, nurses running to and fro if she wishes. But look where Christ came in. Look where he came in. Came in in a stable. In the lowest condition. Remember years ago we used to mock the people who used to stay out the tongue road. And there a woman there one day gave birth to a child just where she sat. You know, in very much the same conditions. The Lord Jesus Christ came into our scene of time. He knows the afflicted. He knows the downcast. Why? Because he went, came and entered in at that point of man's existence. Yes, he knows. Yes, your master of your master is Christ. Your master gave his back to the smiter. He gave his cheek to them that plucked out the hair. And he hid not his face from shame and from spitting. He came, and as such he came as the comforter of those who need him. Are you today full of aches and pains? Are your joints sore today? Is your back sore today? Is your head sore today? Jesus knows. Jesus knows all about these things. Yes, even in a deeper way than most of us. Jesus knows about them because he gave his back to the smiter willingly for the sin of man. Do you today suffer scandal or slander or derision? He didn't hide his face from the spitting of men. He took it full frontal, full on in the face. Have you been ridiculed today or lately? Have men ridiculed you because you have become Christians? Or are you scared or frightened of ridicule in case you stand, uh, if you stand out for God in this town? I know, and I have no fear of saying this. I know tonight, and I know uh, that the Spirit of God is working in the midst of this congregation. And I know that the Spirit of God is working in this town. And I know there are some of you tonight who are scared of ridicule in case you stand out for God. Look at this man of sorrows. Look at Christ. 
Look at what he suffered for the sinner. Look at Christ. He who stood all the shame. He will lift you up, my friend. He will take you. And he knows your problem. And he knows your condition. Now say to you tonight, see Christ today, that man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Look at him. See what he suffered on your behalf. Would you stand out for God? Or would you turn away? And those today who would turn away, you spit in his face. You even add to the scourge if you reject him tonight. Are you in fear of standing forth and making a profession? Look at Jesus. Look at this man, Christ Jesus, who stood in your place. He knows your heart. He knows your life. He knows your fears. He knows your anguish. He knows your torment. And at this very moment in time, he knows what you're thinking in your mind right now. What think ye of Christ this night? Are you going to turn away and spit in his face? Are you going to add to the scourge? Listen to what the blind man said. The blind beggar cried out when he asked somebody, they said, Behold, Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. My friend tonight, Jesus of Nazareth is in the midst of this church tonight because he promises that where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst. And in the midst of us tonight is the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus of Nazareth passeth by. But this blind man cried out, and oh, that this would be the cry of somebody's heart tonight. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy upon me. Oh, let this be the cry of some soul tonight here. Thou son of David, he cried much more. Thou son of David, have mercy upon me. And Jesus answered to him with, Receive thy sight. Receive your eyes being opened up. And see the man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Receive thy sight. And thy faith tonight. If you look to this man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Thy, thy faith shall save thee. And the people of God will glorify God tonight if but one receive their sight. Let us pray.